Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall as a 60-minute time limit. Thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, once again. Uh, Rob and I are back, and this week we're going to be talking about what went down on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW from this past week. Uh, NXT's got NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day popping up next week, or on, on Sunday, We've got uh, AEW making a lot of moves prior to the Revolution pay-per-view coming up in a couple weeks, and WWE opted to have Elimination Chamber a little early this year and a quick turnaround because Elimination Chamber is one week from Sunday. Rob, how you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. I, I miss the days when they had separate pay-per-views for everything, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, I don't mind the separate pay-per-views. I just find it odd that they're just they're stacking them. Again, they threw in Fastlane. I, I think the swerves are coming because of that, but why don't we, uh, why don't we ring this bell and get into it? Raw opens up with Adam Pierce and then Shane O'Mac comes back out of nowhere to announce that the men's elimination chamber match for Raw is going to be for the title. Drew McIntyre is involved in it. And then he announces five other ex-champions basically to be in the match. Um, they've done this shit before where one is, I, I've kind of liked it in certain situations where one is previous, like one match is all previous winners and then another match is like guys who've never touched the title or even had a chance getting to getting to fight for it. It's like a theme week. Yeah, but so this one, you got Drew McIntyre defending against Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, who kind of gets thrown in there, uh, AJ Styles, The Miz, and Sheamus. So AJ, Miz, Sheamus, uh, and and Orton all all make sense. Hardy's kind of the outlier in this. Is is he just the guy who? Basically, he's the only other guy on the roster who's held a world championship in the company. Uh, I think so. And I also think that this is the unofficial farewell tour of Jeff Hardy. I mean, I could see that. I could see it being the unofficial farewell tour. I also don't know if Hardy makes it to Elimination Chamber. Uh, during the match that he had with AJ Styles immediately following, a lot of work done on that knee, a lot of work in the calf crusher. We still have another week to to go before Elimination Chamber. I don't know who could get thrown in in his place. I think you have somebody that you'd like to see thrown in in his place based on the text you sent me the other day. But, oh, you know, no, I just... no, no, no. I, I don't. My, my thing is, I think Orton doesn't make this match. I think he's in his pod. And as the timer counts down to bring him out of his pod, the lights go out, the lights come on, and in the pod with him is the Fiend. I also think that's the last you see of Randy Orton for that show. I think the lights go back out and Orton and the Fiend are gone. So so you're saying this is going to come down to only a five-man elimination chamber? Yes. Okay. I do. And I think uh, Hardy is in it to be filler. I don't know what they're doing with Miz or Styles in that match, truthfully. I, I'm Now, just to go back, you know, that's elimination chamber talk for later. But I'm looking at how they're building Raw around this. Raw is, is directionless at this point. The show itself is directionless. This was a terrible go-home show. Uh, none of the stories made sense even to further the storylines, in my well, it's opinion. Not, it wasn't a go-home show yet. It's not the go-home yet. They're still, they're still next week. Isn't it? Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. They're still next week before yeah. Elimination Chamber. So this wasn't the go-home. But yes, I, I don't disagree. So that. This is treading water. It was basically, yeah. It, it, it's been it's been rudderless, I, and I don't know if that's because there's the lack of the authority figure to kind of push along stories. They put Adam Pierce in this position, but like, he has a much better story on SmackDown than he does on Raw, so it just takes away from his character. Well, that's that's why we got the Shane O'Mac appearance, because in the history of this company since 1997, when ratings are sagging, you truck out a McMahon. Yeah. Now, as much as I love Stephanie, Stephanie's the best heel they've ever had, a little goes a long way with her. 
And since she's also the chief branding officer, she can't always be out there calling people pieces of shit and smacking people in the face. Yeah, as much as as much as people know it's a character, at the same time, she does have an image to uphold somewhere. Right. And, you know, Shane can get away with that. And the the elder McMahon doesn't even want to be on TV anymore. So that's why we're going to probably, in all of the ways we used to get uh, senior on TV, we're, we're going to get Shane now. I mean, but Triple H used to be just as good, is just as good as in that role. And maybe it's because people see him still too much as the wrestler versus the boardroom. I, I mean, he still, though, can be that authoritarian figure and still be like McMahon was in the 90s, like in the ring. Well, we don't see Triple H until March. That's that's his buildup. Because yeah. he's always going to have his wrestling. He's, he's trying to be the new taker. So come March, they're gonna be, there's going to be some storyline with, with H that will bring him to WrestleMania. Well, and of course, and of course, you've got two nights, so they're looking to they're looking to fill in wherever they can. Uh, I think I actually did see something along those lines. Dirt sheets are saying uh, potentially an NXT match, so basically Triple H versus insert NXT wrestler here, anywhere between Adam Cole to Tommaso Ciampa to Gargano, like just one of those names that are basically like his boys or quote quote unquote like his progenies. Well, if if Tommaso Ciampa gets a shot, it shouldn't be with, with H; it should be with uh, HBK. Well, yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's the way it is. Ah, you never know. They they trucked him out for the Saudi show last year, so I, I don't like I don't like using the blood money pay per views to reference anything. That royal that greatest royal <laughs> rumble was never a royal rumble. Like now, I, I I do not I do not count those in the in the annals of WWE. The blood money events do not count in my eyes as as their exhibitions. They're they're not actual actual. Events. I agree wholeheartedly, but they brought him out of retirement. What was it? Three matches or two? I thought just the one, really, just the one again, just the the DX versus Brothers of Destruction, where almost everybody died. Right, and then they came back, and then they had something that whole promo, like "Are you ready?" Like the next day, they had those brand new DX shirts. Yeah, but I don't think they didn't. Michaels never wrestled another match after that. I don't think he just wrestled that one match where he he almost lost it on a moonsault. Triple yes. H ripped his back off. And Undertaker and Kane were so gassed in the first five minutes because of the heat or, or old age or whatever we're gonna call it that it was just a it was just a sweaty old man fight. <laughs> all right. The best kind. Yeah. All right. We're totally getting off track here. New Day and Retribution. We didn't get to talk about this last week, but we were both happy to see Retribution actually kind of having a, a story, and it's a natural one with Kofi taking the spot of Mustafa uh, Mustafa Ali in all the. Elimination Chambers and Gauntlet matches two years ago uh, in the run up to Kofi Mania. So uh, yeah, I agree. I th- I liked I love the way Woods was going through it. I loved how Woods was like, well, I'm two and two, so I need to fight Reckoning next, uh, aka Mia Yim, and he just keeps yelling about wanting to fight her. <laughs> <laughs> but she's uh, she's been off TV. Obviously, I think obviously Keith Lee coming back. I I do believe it was COVID reasons for both of them. So hopefully they'll be both back in the in the in the Thunderdome and and ready to rock and roll. I also have a question. Who is going to change first? Is Damian Priest changing the name of his finisher or is Mia Yim changing her reckon, er, changing her name in Retribution? Because they're both Reckoning. Mia Yim is changing her name. You think she just straight up leaves Retribution or? Yeah. Like who, who has, let's be perfectly bluntly honest, who has a higher upside and a larger future with that company? Mia Yim or Damian, Arch- uh, Damian Priest? Well, oh, Priest. Right. It's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Like there, there's no, just at that point it's business because you have video games 
that need to have a finishing move that the announcers have to have to yell about. Yeah, I'm curious if that's why. Well, I mean, they've been yelling about it with with Priest's two matches that he's had so far, and I'm wondering if that's also kind of keeping her away. But they do keep mentioning reckoning in the storyline with the New Day. They keep mentioning that on camera as well. So, like I said, well, Baron Corbin has the Wastelands, and that's what the uh, oh, what the hell was the name of that tag team from NXT? Oh, the Ascension. Uh, the Ascension. That was their thing. Welcome to the Wastelands. Yeah. So. It, it it can happen. My my thing with Retribution is I'm very happy that they're giving them a little bit more legitimacy. Finally, yes. What is it? Almost nine, ten months later. But if you really want to sell that, if you really want to push like what the purpose of that faction is, stop calling them their names at least for a week. Have Dominic Dijakovic take his mask off and say, "Do you know who I am? I'm the guy that took Keith Lee this far away, and I was ignored. I was passed over." So now you have to deal with me as, you know, slapdick or whatever his name is. And he puts the mask back on. He goes, this is who I am now. Ebar, yeah. Like that lends a certain amount of credibility. I like it. I also don't see why they couldn't. I mean, I think we talked about this a little while ago, why they couldn't have just kept their names because their names in themselves are like fitting in retribution. If you have Dijak, Thorn, uh, yeah. And then like D uh, you could go with Dio or you could go with Madden or you can go with like Otaku. Like y- you have a different name for Mace right now. Like you, th- their names are still fierce enough that you didn't need to, to add these like create a wrestler yeah. <laughs> monikers to them. Like, I mean, this, this is the, this is the kind of stuff that like when you were fighting, a, you know, th- this, this kind of reminds me back in the, in the nineties when like every jobber that came out actually had a job. Like it was yeah. the, like Duke the dumpster, the, the dumpster, trash man, or, or the goon, the hockey player. Like ever, it's just I don't know. I'm not a fan of the names. I'm a fan of the faction. I want to see them succeed. I just now that they're in this thing with the new day, I'm hoping to see a little bit more that that same fierceness that they had when they were nameless and you didn't know who they were. They were just coming in and wrecking shop and you know chainsawing the ropes off for whatever reason and all that other nonsense. Like, but then they signed contracts. Yeah, I again. Yeah, I look. I could go into where they should have remained free agents, and they should have just come to the show and taken it over, and then said, "We are here to to mess with Raw. We are not just be outlaws." Yeah, that's what made Hall and Nash such a big deal when they went to Nitro. You didn't know who they were. Well, you knew who they were, but you didn't know what they wanted. This one, they just show up, they wreck shit, and leave. But yeah. that's Roman's thing now. And then it could have been the you know uh, Ali's hacker gimmick definitely could have applied there for that's how yeah you know how how is their how is their stuff still showing up on camera well ollie's a hacker so he's got a phone yeah, in his yeah. hand or a laptop or something like that and basically you know that's that's how he's hacking the screens to get them out and, and we, get their entrance we've talked about it change the thunderdome make it all him yep yep yep, yep. uh edge edge pops up real quick for a for another promo saying he's gonna wait till after elimination chamber i like this i like extending edges reveal of who he's gonna fight I don't know if he's going to push it all the way to fast lane. I'd love to see it, but I don't think it's going to happen. And then I, I thought he did a great job again, like just with Miz, just telling him like, I need this. This is, this is what I want. And I am, I'm going to get it. I'm going to be a champion after WrestleMania. You're just here because you've got nothing better to do. Right. Uh, listen, I think the problem with edge and extending the storyline, and I agree with you that it's good to, to move it. It leaves Seamus out in the cold because anybody who has a, a thought in their head about wrestling. The money match is Edge versus Rome. And it's they've already set up Sheamus versus Drew. It's just like that's that's the WrestleMania matches right there. I don't think so. It's gonna be Sheamus and Drew 
I think. Okay, I'm willing to put down a gentleman's bet of a dollar. A dollar. Okay, see if so, you can get your money back from me. Okay, so dollar gentleman's bet. It's not uh, so specifically. I think Seamus and Drew is fast lane. Seamus is going to bitch about not getting his. Seamus okay. is going to bitch about not getting his one-on-one match that he asked for and that Drew agreed to. That and then now it's the elimination chamber. So come fast lane. That's when they get the blow off of that. My fear though is is who it leads into for Drew at Mania because. But that only leads a month build for a WrestleMania match. And how many? Yeah. Well, yeah. they've they've done WrestleMania matches in less time. True, but not for the championship. I mean, maybe. I like I, I don't know who it could be. I just don't see Sheamus as much as I like it. They, if they wanted that to be the main event spot, I think they pulled the trigger too quick on it. I think it should have been something where, like in the elimination chamber or after the elimination chamber, something like that. Like that's when Sheamus makes that turn. That turn seems a little too premature if you're not gonna if you're gonna try and push that as your as your main match. But well, I'm willing. I'm willing to see. Yep. So a dollar, a dollar on the line again. Most likely, I will be Venmoing you come April, whatever. <laughs> and and I will I will extend that because I also think Charlotte Lacey is going to go to WrestleMania. Oh yeah, that that one I I I don't disagree. Well, there's nothing to do with either one of them until then. Yeah, but a Charlotte and Oscar rematch. It's been done. I know it's been done, but it's not going to stop him from doing it again. I mean, Bianca's going to challenge. Bianca and Oscar is the match everybody wants to see. I, I think she's going Sasha Klee. Outside, outside, I mean, outside of that, then on Raw, the, the Keith Lee and Riddle was a great match. It was really great to see them one on one for the first time in a WWE ring. Fantastic match from start to finish. Like a lot of a lot more technical stuff in the beginning than I think you'd expect uh, from the WWE version of their match, but it was still really good. Um, afterwards, Lashley attacks. What was it, Lee and the Riddle, or Riddle into Lee, whatever the case may be. But basically, Lashley comes into Wreck House, setting up a triple threat at the Elimination Chamber for the U.S. Which is terrible, just terrible. I think it's a way to take the belt off of Lashley without, which I'm fine with. I'm saying the setup is poorly done because uh, we we talked about this before the show. Riddle lost that match clean to Keith Lee. There's no reason to put him in in a triple threat at that point. If you have Lashley do the schmas. And he runs in before the end of the show, before the end of the match. Now you have a reason to justify having all three guys in. Riddle, Riddle, I think it's Riddle still had the, still technically had the number one contendership for the U.S. title because he didn't lose to Lashley one on one. He got put in the the hurt lock over the road. But he's been getting the shit beaten out of him I'm week not, after week. I'm not saying he hasn't, but I mean by the laws of by the laws of wrestling, he never he hasn't lost to Bobby Lashley clean one-on-one meanwhile keith lee comes in and beats matt riddle one-on-one therefore he's now got a chance like i mean this is like this is like new japan style uh rankings but basically keith lee elevates himself to be co-number one contender because he beat riddle but riddle hasn't lost to lashley so let's just throw all three of them together and see what happens honestly i think this was supposed to happen sooner but lee was out i think lee and, and and lashley was supposed to be a bigger thing they brought riddle in and now, you know, they, they need to find a way to to even everything back out. Uh, I mean, outside of that, the, the whole show is just based on the Elimination Chamber and the competitors there. The only other unfortunate thing to talk about is, is Nia's hole. Um, <laughs> I don't know if she's just she was just trying extra hard to, like, dial it. I mean, she pulls the King Kong ain't got bleep on me. And then her butt, her hole. Oh, my hole. So, yeah, I mean... Oh. 
Listen, we got to get the whole story about this out. Ooh. So, yeah. Okay. Dad jokes. Yep. On that, on that, we're gonna we're gonna move on to SmackDown. Uh, actually, one more thing: no Alexa or the Fiend this week. So obviously, the Fiend's been out, but no Alexa at all. Not even a tease. Not even like a creepy in the background. Good. 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 Let let let, let that elapsed. lull a bit. I guess that this company beats everything into the ground and beats you over the head with it. Let it, let it rest. Let it rest a little. I can understand letting it rest, but I can also see where, you know, to your point, like Orton and the, something happening to Orton at the chamber, you've, you've only got another week to really sell. You don't have to sell anything because that story has been going on, but even just like Alexa in the very far background of Orton's interview about the chamber, just like sitting in the corner somewhere. I'll, I'll do you one better. I don't think you're going to see them on Monday either. Let people forget that it even exists so that when he comes back and I'm telling you, I, I'm willing I'm almost willing, not quite, because, you know, I know the odds. I almost want to bet that he shows up in the way I said. Because he's not a wrestler. He's Michael Myers. He's unkillable. He always comes back. Yeah. And if there was a crowd, find me a bigger face than The Fiend at this point. If there was a crowd, people would be popping all over the place for him. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, there's, there's really nowhere. They also wouldn't have set him on fire. Well, uh, look, the way, that they, the way that they've done Alexa and The Fiend... I, it's doing great right now because they don't have to worry about a crowd. They're, they're not going to be able to do those changeovers for Alexa. They're going to have to find a new way to do that. They're going to have to find a new way to, you know, have these fiend spots because you can't just turn the lights dark in an arena for a solid five minutes while everybody does a reset um, before these big things. I, my only regret, I wish they would have done this with Balor to have him like switch because now they can't. Right. But I, I think there's going to be, I think the match was not to get off track, but between him and, Pete Dunn is going to really be a, a physical affair. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see that changeover mid-match that Finn needs to go to that dark place to beat Pete Dunn. And he just shows up in the middle of the match as the Fiend. I'm, I'm sorry, the Demon. I mean, whew, you want to talk You want to talk about taking a couple minutes to have to do a changeover. That makeup alone, I think, takes four and a half hours. 45 minutes, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't disagree. I Balor's a whole other story that we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, first on SmackDown, same, same setup, different show. Adam Pierce is in the ring and here comes Roman instead uh, to talk about the elimination chamber. I love the, the way that Paul kind of handled that and just did the whole Roman doesn't fight in the elimination chamber. Roman fights after that, like in his contract, blah, 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 blah. Uh, to where Adam Pierce is like, that's fine, but he's still going to fight the same night, which will be interesting. So clearly I think, yeah. I think this basically sets in stone that they're going to open the show next Sunday with the SmackDown elimination chamber so that they give enough time that whoever wins that can, technically be ready to fight Roman even though no one's going. Oh no, I, I I read that totally different than you did because first of all, I like the chess match between Heyman and Adam Pierce. He says, yeah, you can go crazy, add whoever you want. It doesn't really matter. And then he did. He said, okay, I'm going to add Jet and I'm going to add Chaos. But then Heyman came back with, yes, he'll fight at the Elimination Chamber and he'll fight the winner the same night, I think. And the only way that storyline makes sense is as soon as the winner is declared of the elimination chamber, Roman walks out and has it right then and there because Heyman made a point to say how brutal and physical and all the things that they're going to have to go through to win that match. I think that's when it, it happens immediately. I think I'm looking at it from Adam Pierce's perspective where he's going to try and stop that and be like, okay, so there's going to be like one match in between and maybe, I mean, maybe Roman and Jake. It's not up to Adam Pierce. Didn't you get that? I didn't. I didn't. He doesn't call the shots. Okay. He has no pull. He pulls no strings. 
Yeah, he just does what Roman wants. I gotcha. Right. I gotcha. Well, uh, to that end, though, so KO and Jay, as you said, were announced right away uh, for the match. Then we had two qualifying tag team matches, which I didn't hate, but you know, it, it made sense for, again, trying to, with the quick turnaround, just getting these guys announced is this, this is the quickest way to do it. So Sammy and uh, Baron Corbin fought the Mysterios. Uh, Sammy took the win there for his team. And then uh, the main event, Cesaro and Daniel Bryan took on the tag team champs, Ziggler and Rude, with Cesaro winning again by submission. Cesaro is looking strong as hell, and I love it. I think DB has taken a, a great interest in furthering uh, Antonio's career. Yeah, I well, or Claudio, not not even furthering. I mean, the man, the man's, you know, he's he's had this career. It's just it, now people are finally seeing it. He's getting this limelight to to show it. I mean, just how how fierce he was in the ring, how quick he was, how agile. He hasn't even really had a chance to show off the strength side of it yet. He always does that really well against guys like Big E. So, hmm. I mean, even in his chamber, there's really not going to be an opportunity for it unless it's like a KO thing, but I mean, his strength and all of that, he is going to have a chance to really shine i think in the elimination chamber I, I don't know i honestly in this one i don't know who takes it because i feel like whoever takes it is going to be in line for possibly doing something at fast lane i don't think it should be ko again but it could easily be ko I, I i feel a little robbed because i know we'll talk about i oh, may as well get to it now when with the rollins return we'll, we'll get to the we'll analyze that in a second with cesaro being the only one left they teased rollins and db at the Rumble, and I was all about it. I was very happy. I was like, great, that's going to be a fantastic physical, psychological program that they're going to run, maybe to Mania. Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins, I'll take that all day long. Now, I have no complaints with it being Cesaro either, but at, at the end, when Rollins attacks Cesaro, who's the guy that comes out to save him? Bryan, yeah. Daniel Bryan. So I think I think DB has taken a real interest, because now that he's in creative, I think he's taken a real interest in furthering Antonio Cesaro's career. Yeah, well, and then it was kind of the same thing, because then Shinsuke popped up in the IC Championship, like, quote-unquote, open challenge. Shinsuke ends up taking it there, and puts on, again, has a really good match with E. He's, he's kind of reverted back to the King of Strong style. He's no longer the artist. Which I like. Yeah, he's no longer the artist that they were trying to push. Now he's the King of Strong style again. Really good match against E, interrupted by Apollo Crews at the end because Apollo Crews came out to answer the challenge and E's like, nah, I'm done with you. Like, get out. Go to the back. I and, I, and I like that Apollo was like, nope, no, you got to deal with me. I, I felt though. Was... I, I liked, I, so I liked Apollo's reaction to that, but I also liked how E, like, he got, the, just, as, just as Heyman has been pushing for it on Talking Smack for the last, you know, couple months, E got serious. He wasn't joking. He wasn't laughing about it. He's like, no, we're done. I beat you. Don't do this just leave. So I thought that was really, but again, Heyman influence with Apollo. He's like, no, I'm not leaving. Yeah. You know, now you got to deal with me. Well, and I mean, we'll find out, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to see talking smack today. I don't know if they got into that or not uh, this morning, but uh, yeah, I'm interested if at one point Apollo and Biggie, you're both going to pop up on talking smack with Heyman in the middle and just kind of having a, that's it. That is a heel turn. That is six years in the making. Oh, hundred percent. Definitely. Cause I mean, the guy, the guy is charisma kryptonite at least the least you can do is turn him heel and maybe get some kind of heat on him. I mean, well, he, and he was good at it though. He was good as that. He's yeah. as that cocky. Like I am better than you because physically I am better than you. And he think he really thinks that. And it, it shows as, as a, as a face, he has a hard time getting over because he's reached that same confidence. He, he just kind of, you know, he just doesn't give off that same energy that he, that I felt that he did at the beginning of this show or at the beginning of that segment, the, the way he acted at the beginning of that segment 
was the best, like the, the again, the most confident and, and strongest I think I've ever seen him. I mean, that really wraps up the show. Uh, the, the Profits versus Alpha, uh, Street Profits versus Alpha Academy. I, I like where they're going. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing with Alpha Academy. I kind of like it. I like Chad Gable's obnoxiousness and like his, his coaching and yelling in the ring and stuff like that. Where does it go? No idea. I mean, I like it for now. I just, I want Gable to get that same bring back, uh, like bring back to, to glory that Cesaro and like Shinsuke are getting because Gable uh, as well, th- as we've talked about before, like really should have been Kurt Angle's son just from the way that he wrestles and, and plays it up. But again, he can work and he can make it seem like it doesn't matter. Like when he had those matches with Corbin before the shorty G changeover or whatever you want to call yeah. it, and it was just, he was able to be himself. Those were great matches against a, an opponent, you know, a head taller than him easily. Go back to him in NXT. Yes. With, uh, with Jason, Jordan. American alpha. They, they was so, he was charismatic. He was entertaining. When, remember he was chasing Jason Jordan for, Oh yeah. You know, three months. Ready, willing and Gable. I remember he was so, he was so great, but I, I do wonder, was it last week or the week before Daniel Bryan mentioned, I've been getting back into shape. I've been doing all this because of Alpha Academy and I've been working with those guys. That was his, he, he was doing that. That was his run into the rumble. He was working with them on, on his hip pops on how to, to, to throw guys out of the ring and all that stuff. So yeah. he had, he had a bunch of sticks with uh, Otis and, and Gable leading up to the Royal Rumble. And then it kind of, they drifted away after the rumble to focus. Give me that faction. Give me, Gable, DB, Cesaro, and Otis. Yep. I was just about to I'm all about it. it. Dude, I am all about pure, that. Just pure wrestlers. Like, but, but then you have to drop Gable's shtick of being the coach because he doesn't need to be the coach in that situation. He just needs to be the bulldog. I don't know. I don't know. Make him make him the coach because that they were trying to do that with Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan. Oh, speaking of which, bring him back over then. Put him, get him over there too. Make it a five-man group because I miss Gulak. Five-man groups like that got to be heels. I, I, look, they can they can be heels. That's fine. I don't care. I, I just want find me a, find me a better heel in the last five years than heel Daniel Bryan with the hemp and rope belt. We talked about. I mean, we talked about that. that we, we talked about that on the Rumble show. I said I didn't want anything better because that was the best. That was the best championship run. It was the most complete championship run from start to finish on all sides. I do not want. That's why I just I, I love Daniel Bryan. I don't want to see him with the title again because nothing's going to take away from the hemp title for me. You know what? After this, when we're done recording this, I'm going to take my girlfriend and I'm going to show her the match of Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar, where Brock just ragdolled him yeah. for 15 minutes. And then DB came back and said, OK, now it's my turn with his with his hamburger chest and, and looking all kinds of beat up. The same could be said for the I mean, Brock and Finn Balor, too. You put Brock in the ring with a small guy that can actually work and he actually puts on a good match. Yeah, it's, it's when he's with these big guys that don't that they only expect them to do like Hulk smashes to each other where yeah. it never, it never works out when he's in the ring against a smaller opponent that, I mean, that's why him and angle always work so well together in my opinion. Yeah. Well, also Kurt angle can make me and you look good. Well, yeah, but when it's a David versus Goliath story, Brock is very good in those situations. We move on to NXT where they basically, Wait, we're not, we're not going to talk about how this show ended. Oh, well, you want to talk about the hullabaloo? Okay. There was a hullabaloo. At the I end. would love the hullabaloo. This was this was a classic, almost attitude era, ending to the show. Oh, it was very much an attitude era ending to the show, mainly because there was six stunners. Like and he walked out, I said they're really pushing the stone cold angle on him. Yeah, and and by the way, because they gave that to him in that way, I don't think they would waste it by having him lose. Oh no, I think I I, I think I was convinced he was going to lose to Rome because he's never beaten Roman clean. 
from he he's actually never beaten Roman at all going back to November. Right, and but like I, like I brought up, Roman's never beaten him clean. He's always won right. by some kind of last minute nefariousness or some kind of some kind of nonsense that has interrupted that. And it's it's one of those like you know he punched he got he got punched in the he got punched in the junk. He got the handcuffs and that and then again hit yeah. the junk. But you you don't devalue the stunner in that way, calling directly back to Stone Cold stunning the world and then owning the ring and then have that guy lose i think he wins at elimination chamber uh, actually no yeah i think he wins elimination chamber i think he lo- he loses immediately edge declares and that gets us to mania but then what do you do with ko but that's that's another thing for another day because it will look here, here's my biggest concern also right now like looking at wrestlemania this year on paper it feels like because there's the possibility that they're going to have fans, they're just going to rehash WrestleMania 36 with fans because instead of, instead, and originally when Goldberg popped up, everyone was scared that like he was going to lose and then challenge Roman. So it's like, okay, so put edge and swap out edge and Goldberg. You've got edge and Roman. There's rumblings that Lesnar could come back to fight McIntyre. So now you've got edge and Mac, you've got Lesnar and McIntyre again, just like you had at 36. Uh, if KO's got nothing to do and Rollins has nothing to do, you got KO and Rollins again, just like at 36. Like there's just, there's a lot. Different shows, right? Huh? Different shows. Oh no, no, they're, they're SmackDown. They're both on SmackDown. They were both on Raw. Now they're both on SmackDown. I would be far more interested in Lesnar Reigns, but I think that's next WrestleMania. I think next WrestleMania is Biggie. I think what? Um, I've I've got, I've got Biggie in a main event slot for next year at 37. I do too, but not on Raw. Well, Lesnar and Biggie is going to be the, the new anchor for SmackDown. Okay. I can see that. But think, think about Lesnar Reigns with the roles reversed. A face. People love Brock Lesnar as a face. It just happens so infrequently. Yeah. But also, how do you get sympathy for a guy like that? You don't. I mean, you, you, the way you got sympathy back in the day was that he was young, and then he was the you know he was the the blue chipper, the up and comer, you know the youngest the youngest doing all this. Right. He was just this young kid who was this beast, and then he went to UFC. All that happened. He came back and then he started coming back. But when he came back, WWE treated him differently because he went and fought for real, quote unquote. So like right. successful, successfully. And don't get me wrong. It's a hundred percent true, but we also, we're all sitting here knowing that this is scripted or, or, or predetermined or whatever you want to call it. Still real to me. Damn it. It's still real to me too. The, we're, the behind the scenes stuff is just as real as anything else. But the thing is, Lesnar comes back and then suddenly he can't be touched. He can't be beat because he, su- he succeeded in UFC. If he doesn't succeed in UFC, do you think he comes back with that same uh, uh, attack yes, mode? Yes, I do. I mean, because he's not Braun Strowman. I, I could see it, but it's not going to last as long. I don't think it's. I don't think it, it's as because that was also when he came back is when you had him and Goldberg basically trading the title for thirty second matches, and I that's when I just got over it. That's yeah. when it got it got lost on me. KO was Universal Champion, loses it to Goldberg, who then loses it to Lesnar, who then loses it to Goldberg, who then loses it to like that whole shtick. I think that was before. That was the road to WrestleMania. That was the road, was road, Rumble, road to Rumble WrestleMania to 30, 33. Yeah. Orlando, I want to say. And yeah, I just hated it. Didn't didn't think it, you know, would have much rather see KO versus Jericho for the Universal Championship 30 minutes allowed. at 33. 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. But, All right. Well, let's let's move on. There's when we get to NXT. Yep, that's where we're at. There's there are three things that I really need to talk about. I'll let you run the show, but there are three things that I, I was blown away with. Hit me with it. So uh, I really enjoyed the MSK match. Uh, I like the Fantasma uh, Legato quite a bit. I, I think that's, that is a faction for the future. 
They could build on it. They can make it. I like the fact that they're luchadors who occasionally wear masks. That, that I really, I really dig that aspect of it. I am not a fan of the way. I find them all to be annoying. I know I'm in the minority. That's sacrilegious right there. But this whole angle of him not being injured and Kushida showing up behind him, that was so perfectly done. Just, And I also like how Regal, when he was in, interviewing them in the ring, was laughing through it because he saw Kushida behind him just going along with it and no one noticed but that's what i love about so what i've loved about the the way and you're you're just no i i completely 100 disagree with you the whole shtick with the way has been <laughs> phenomenal from the get-go it is it is where comedy meets heel meets slapstick and it's done they're doing such a great job of it austin theory has grown on me so much from just being with john yes. gargano between when they had Christmas and it was the way protein powder and they adopt, <laughs> they officially adopted Indy Hartwell. So she was officially indie wrestling. And then you've got Austin theory, just this like wide eyed dummy where like, it, I'm mean, so dumb. I love what it. you're talking like exactly what you're talking about. So Gargano's just being this perpetu- perpetuous, like turn me this way, turn me this way. He's in a wheelchair because his arm's broken. Like, but you know, he hates wheels. He hates wheels. And then, but then like, w- w- like what you're talking about, when um regal's looking in the ring and and you know you see kushida the the way he doesn't see kushida but austin theory does that perfect comedic turn and like slaps him and goes like yeah this guy right kushida pauses and then looks and gets the fastball punch right to the face i mean oh my god it's so good i love like i like i said before i love gargano being able to be himself now my original i'll be honest i actually thought this was a legit injury and this was an actual thing at first because the other thing that they did really well with this is that the first announcement of it was Austin Theory on Twitter in his car saying Gargano is not going to be able to wrestle at mm. um, at TakeOver. And I'm just thinking, again, this day and age, like because he doesn't mention the arm injury or anything like that. So this day and age, right. like, uh, COVID or maybe it is a shoulder thing or something like that. The minute he showed having up, the wrong x-ray was the detail that made when he showed up in the wheelchair, I was just uh, uh, there was this huge sigh of relief because I was like I was I am so looking forward to Gargano versus Kushida this weekend. I just I was going to be so bummed if we weren't going to get to see that match. I think that's the first of many, but I'll get into that when we get to the preview show. But yeah, I just love I love everything that Gargano and the way are doing. I, I like I said, I just love that they're being able to be themselves, and they're just they're bringing comedy while being the the menacing heel at the same time. And yeah, I I appreciate the hell out of it. And then the added uh, wild card of trying to pull Austin Theory out of the ring, and instead pulling out Dexter Loomis yeah. may have been my favorite thing of the whole show. I, I don't I don't particularly like Dexter Loomis one way or the other, but when he does stuff like this, it's the the only thing I could compare that to is when they pulled the table out from underneath the ring and our truth was stuck to it. Oh my God, Cesaro. It, yeah. It's just, it was so perfectly done. I, I loved it quite a bit. Yeah. Well, the camera, the camera angle on that was just as good. Yeah. Our truth in the table was one of my high spots of, of raw those, that year. That was, that was fantastic. Kushida and Austin theory end up. Yeah. So Kushida and Austin theory end up having the match. Johnny interferes to, to end that one. Uh, and then the other, the way loses both matches tonight, basically, because uh, they also lost in the women's Dusty Cup. Ember and Shotzi get to go to the finals against Raquel and Dakota. Uh, also announced then uh, by Regals that the winner of that will get a number one contender match for the women's tag team title, which is very cool. 
I remember when they first introduced the women's tag team titles. I even know who the tag team champion is right now. It's it's Shane and and uh, no Shane and Nia. That's right. But at the same, but at the same time, like it's one of those when they originally announced the women's tag team titles, they said they were going to be going to NXT as well. Um, I don't think they've done it nearly enough, but I'm glad that they're, no. you know acknowledging it at this point. On the men's side, uh, like we talked about, MSK won against Legato in a great match. I think MSK is a really good tag team, and again, tag team tried and true, which is what I loved. A real tag team, which I was, which is what I loved about the main event because I had a small fear that they were going to have Champo and uh, Champa and Thatcher move on, but no, they actually stuck it around. And the Grizzled Young Veterans uh, making the Dusty Finals two years two years running now, and will fight MSK, which should be a great match for the Dusty Cup Championship come Sunday. You had three things, so did, did we miss a thing? I do not feel Scarlet Bordeaux gets enough love from anybody, particularly me. <laughs> she is typical in the sunny way. You know, she's she's the attractive blonde, you know, who can take care of herself, but she has elevated it to me. That she is not a valet. She is not eye candy. She is an equal partner with Karrion Cross. Yeah. That she's almost his Heyman. Yeah. That she went in and played that role with Regal perfectly she went in she talked to him she was a little flirty he's not into it she's like you don't need to be into it or not this is happening whether you want it to or not and then you go to the other side where Karrion cross just basically murdered legato yeah and everything around him they was dead and by the way that's a guy who truly benefited from being injured and lo- and having to drop the strap because he was able to embrace a different aspect of his character it's no longer the supernatural kind of want to be alistair black he's more of a of like i'm a competitor i'm a machine you know we are in our own world and she is the one like i like her with the tarot cards and and the the hourglass like she's like a harbinger of doom yeah i like that that i like that so unbelievably good looking doesn't hurt yeah no i like i like the 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 comparison to a harbinger of doom because yeah i agree she is like that and she will help set the table the thing i like about it as well though is that carrying cross can cut a promo if he has to but he just doesn't have to and when he does, it adds that extra element because she cuts the sweet talk or the the normal promo. But when it's got to get amped up and when it's got to get angry, Karrion Cross can step in and he can sell it. And I I, I love I love that dynamic between the two. TikTok, TikTok. Well, speaking of TikTok, uh, I like the fact that the main event went past the hour mark. They went they went into the next next hour block. Yeah, they've been doing that. They gave it the time it needed. They've been doing that on NXT uh, on the occasion, and I think it's because. They have, I don't know if they have the ability to, and AEW doesn't. So AEW's got a harder cutoff because AEW has gone over a little bit on occasion. But like this week in particular, that Falls Count Anywhere match was great, but it just kind of, it kind of just ended and it ended and it was quick. And then there was like hands raised, cut the black. It just, it felt a little rushed to me. Yeah, we got to get off the stage. I mean, at that point, let's just move on to AEW. A great match to, to end it. Kenta and Kenny versus Mox and Archer in the Falls Count Anywhere match. Kenny gets the win with uh, help of, from the Good Brothers. They got they went back to the kitchen for like the fourth match. Every time they have a Falls Count Anywhere match, they got to go into that kitchen for whatever reason. I, I think it's just- and I love that the referee has to hold the tables together for. Yeah, him. it's just close. It's just close, I guess. I, I will say I enjoyed this show top to bottom. I thought it was a great show, but I really enjoyed this main event. I really enjoyed the main event. Um, I found it. I found it odd. There was no crowd this week, and they made no mention of that. But there was definitely no crowd, and I don't know if that was because of 
restrictions getting heavier or if it was because of the false count anywhere match i'm just trying to i think it's the false count anywhere i i I think so as well but like yeah throughout the entire show there wasn't a single like a single crowd or crowd shot like jericho and all that stuff because you you'd notice it yes like if there was the crowd and then there was no crowd for the end you would notice it. I also think some of those things may have been filmed ahead of time. Yeah, well, they they have a weird filming schedule. I mean, the, the easiest way to tell normally is just judging by who's in the crowd and what they're wearing, like what what wrestlers in the crowd are doing or wearing or whatever the case may be. But it is they do a great job of filming it. It is it is tough to try and pick up on that sometimes. Speaking of Jericho, then uh, the inner circle, a lot of turmoil in the inner circle this week, and there's there's the good parts and the bad parts of it. The good parts, Sammy finally has that moment where he comes out. Uh, quits the inner circle after after trying to ke- after catching MJF basically trying to record him saying that he's trying to take over the inner circle slams his phone punches him in the ribs and then doesn't show up for the tag match against the acclaimed shows up quits and leaves and again what's always great with AEW and the one thing I really can appreciate with the double entrances is that like you can sell you don't need to question if a guy just turned face or not if he goes down that tunnel on the right <laughs> he turned face if he goes down yeah. that tunnel on the left he's having a bad day and he might be the heel now all of a sudden so to see Sammy turn and go that way was great and then he's like I want to take some time off we we talked about it a little bit in our prep show I we both think that he's basically probably hanging off until revolution or at least until MJF makes that final power play for the inner circle. And then he'll come in to save Jericho. I don't know where the inner circle goes. Then do they stay with MJF to fight Jericho and Sammy as faces or vice versa? I'm not really sure. Um, now the, the match itself though, I have a problem. I think, and this is, and this is no knock on anything. And I know he is the goat, but I think they're building Jericho to be too strong in some situations. He can't beat orange Cassidy in one-on-one matches when it's straight one-on-one now you've got this tag team match versus the acclaimed where mjf is selling this rib thing and he's he's not doing anything because his ribs are all busted up jericho takes the shot with the boom box which for the acclaimed takes the the shot with the boom box that leads to the finisher with the acclaimed and then just gets a straight kick out now i don't know if that's a missed spot mjf should have dove in to, to stop it and just was out of place or what it just that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me the fact that a boombox shot for an object in a match legally seen yet jericho still manages to kick out of it i just i don't know it seemed off that smells of a missed spot it does smell of a missed spot i mean you're, you're never gonna see it but just it just it felt hinky it didn't feel that great all around every once in a while you're reminded that they are a very young promotion and that that is one of the ways Right. That the, you know, the, the creative machine is in their work. If that was the case, I mean, cause the other thing is like in that match, you're, you're heel versus heel. I mean, Jericho is the closest thing you have to a face in that matchup because of, of the, you know, of Judas. Judas. Yeah. Is, is, is he able to kick out of that because he's considered the face and that's why they think they can get away with it. I'm not, I'm not really sure. There's one other thing then that happened this week with the inner circle that one of the things that I don't like, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to get back on my soapbox here because once again, the Young Bucks challenged Santana and Ortiz to a tag title match next week. Which again, you had a triple threat tag match in the inner circle to determine right. who would be the team to come out of it. So I, I don't care that they have the match, but Jericho and MJF should have a problem with it and should allude to that somehow. Whether it be on Twitter, whether it be during the show in a segment. like this, this is a storytelling problem. Jericho should be questioning Santana and Ortiz having this match because 
or accepting this match even. Jericho and MJF were the ones that came out of that match as the ones who were supposed to be the team that's going to fight for the tag team championships. It's one thing if they were just tag teams, but now they're coming out and fighting. And unless the match is is, an, is not for the belts, I didn't get that. I thought it was for the championships. They're never going to mention it. They're never going to mention it because they, they back themselves into a corner story time, story time, uh, story-wise. Yeah. With Sammy Guevara. Because now that's their focus. Sammy Guevara with MJF, with eventually MJF kicking out. That should be the focus. So you have Santana on Ortiz. By the way, not only do I think that they're going to accept that match, I think they're going to take those belts. And they, they are going to be faces with Guevara. Okay. Maybe. I, I mean, hell. I, and they'll I be, be the new Latin gods or whatever. Yeah. LAX, whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't be against it. Um, I, I didn't, like I said, I just, that triple threat tag team match that they did so much to hype, just, it's not landing anywhere anymore because of the, the last couple, the weeks following. And speaking of like not landing anymore, if I see one more advertisement for Tony Schiavone interviewing Sting, it, why? Why do you have, Sting. To, you have to hype that up so much? And then he never ends up actually talking because something gets like they, they do the body bag spot in the back, which was great. It was a cool spot. Yeah. But like, I just, I'm, I'm sick of seeing on the promos, you know, Tony Schiavone interviews Sting. Well, it's like, you bring me to, to a very valid point here. I love Taz. I have always loved Taz. Taz was my favorite guy in ECW and my heart broke where after he had the best entrance in the world, at the Rumble, they did nothing with him yeah. for years. Yeah. My problem with Taz is this. I love the fact that he's the hot guy on the mic. But all the heat that he builds for Team Taz is for Taz. Yeah. The focus is like eventually, you know, when you build heat on a, on a, on a, on a heel, you want that heel to get his comeuppance. You want that heel to get punched in the face. Taz is no longer an active wrestler. Taz is the only one you want to see get punched in the face right now. Yeah. He's the only one. Ricky Starks or Eddie Kingston should have been the FTW champion because they have that sort of outlaw mentality, that sort of outlaw way of looking at things. You look at Brian Cage. That is the most perfect human being you're going to see. How is he ever going to generate sympathy as I'm the guy that people haven't paid attention to? Yeah. That guy walks as the old McMahon line. He's the guy that walks through an airport and everybody says he's somebody. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Eddie Kingston looks like he should be delivering my food. <laughs> Badly, very, very true. There was one other thing that I I have uh, an issue with with AEW. Um, so Kenny Omega claims that he got an eagle on the golf course. Fifteen minutes. Here's the thing, though: his club made contact with the sand at least twice. That's two extra strokes. So even if I don't care how many times, how many times Don Callis is going to move the ball. You still have penalty strokes from touching the sand before you made contact. That's just the. I forgot you're a golf. Nerd. That's just the rules of golf, man. If you're going to be hitting out of the sand, you can't make contact first. So Kenny, get your game up. You're you're popping Greg Velarde right now. <laughs> the only other thing then, uh, Darby and Janela, great match for the for the TNT Championship again. Kind of like Riddle and Lee, one of those a lot more technical wrestling than I think you'd expect out of the two of them. Uh, Especially Janela. I mean, they've fought in death matches and done crazy spots before, but to actually have like a tried and true wrestling match was really cool to see. I think Janela is is starting to get there with his actual wrestling versus just being like a spot monkey. So it's really cool to see. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that. The other spot then, which didn't get a whole lot of talk, but I'm going to be really interested to see how it plays out is uh, Hardy and Hangman. Hardy gets Hangman drunk. Hangman 
signs this contract. He didn't really sell the drunk part too much to me, but at the same time, like you, you know, that's the stick that they're stick that they're going with. So he signs this contract. What, what are they doing with Hangman? Well, I think it's going to Hangman is the future of that company. Oh yeah, he should he should be on singles roles right now. But I think they're going to lock him into this tag team now by contract, and it's going to be very similar to uh, HBK and JBL years ago when HBK like lost all his money. And so JBL oh, brought yeah. him on like and hired him or whatever. I, I, I can see it being that where it's, it's HBK and J uh, hangman and Hardy where Hangman's just trying to get out of the stupid contract and he can't. So he's got to keep doing this stuff for, for Hardy because that's, you know, he's under contract to do so now the private parties heels as well. They just, you know, they, they carry on the drinking and everything. I don't right. know if this leads to an eventual intervention down the line by some of the faces. <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's all hangman shtick. If you turn him clean and sober, I don't know if his, his appeal to you, the you have a blonde, well, well put together, good looking guy in hangman. Who's like, what is he? Six, five. I, don't think that's all. I think he's, he's at least six, three, but he moves like a luchador and he's as strong as anybody on the roster. And he can work stiff like Lance Archer. Oh Yeah. And you have him doing this stuff with private party. It is just the biggest waste of talent. Unless they're going to do the carousel. Like he's down on the bottom now and then they're going to bring him back up. And Yeah. He, he's only built, he's built at six foot. So he's, he's five eleven. But he towers over those other guys. Well, a lot of, there's a lot of small guys in AEW. That's why they never made uh, WWE because Vince doesn't like guys under six two. By the, by the way, speaking of that, maybe, maybe Dominic was Eddie's kid. Because Dominic is like six three, and Rey Mysterio is pushing five four. I mean, both. I don't know how that happened. Both those kids are tall. Look at the look at the when when they came out with their mom, like, and her mom's in heels, and they're still like just towering. Yeah, I don't I don't know either, but yeah, that's I mean, maybe Eddie had a good point back in two thousand five. He really did. He really did. Let's get the DNA samples out there. I think at this point, yeah, we, I think we hit on everything we wanted to hit on. New Japan, uh, New Beginnings also happened over the weekend. I have not had a chance to actually sit down and watch it, so I didn't look up what happened yet. So I'd love to I'd love to talk about it, but I'm not spoiling it for myself because there were some really good matches on that card that I wanted to see. So I will be watching that tonight, and I could probably talk about it next week. I did watch the very first night, which had Osprey and Kojima fight in a crazy DQ match. DQ matches aren't known in New Japan. Like, it's not something that they really do a whole bunch. So when they do do one, it's really, like, off the wall and that's exactly what this one was and kojima is a guy who's like pushing like 60 so for him to be in a hardcore match like this was insane and then uh shingo takagi and hiroshi tanahashi put on a clinic 30 minute strong match it looked like tanahashi broke his neck at one point because he just got spiked (laughs) into the mat uh tanahashi picks up his first ever never open weight championship and is now a grand slam champion held every belt uh, every singles belt that that company has, except the U.S. Championship, which just came out, uh, what, not even two years ago. So not a whole lot of time for him to hold that. But again, really great stuff. Give it time. Really great stuff from New Japan. Can't wait to see the rest of New Beginning there. Uh, yeah, it was a great night. I'm excited for Vengeance Day on Sunday from NXT. Next week, we have the go-home shows from Elimination Chamber. Uh, we'll have the fallout from Vengeance Day, and AEW is going to be building up to Revolution in a couple weeks, so really excited to see what happens next week. I think this is a good show. Yeah, it was. Time to get out. Another great time. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for joining we're us. Under, we're under time, too. Yeah, well, this yeah this, this match, we didn't have to worry about time limit falls. Um like to thank everybody for joining us once again uh, this week on the One Fall Podcast. Please find us on Facebook and Instagram, both under at One Fall Pod. And yeah, we're going to be doing uh, releasing our NXT preview uh, shortly. So those will be coming out same time. Otherwise, we will see you same time, same channel next week. Also, if there's anything you want us to talk about, 
um, we're Irish, so I can talk about anything in the world and Sean can tell me I'm wrong. That's very, that, so, that's very true. So yes, please, uh, please yeah. comment and tell us, uh, tell us what you're liking. Tell us what you're not liking. Tell us what you'd like us to talk about. If you have, if you want us to argue a storyline of old, we'd be happy to do so. Uh, so just leave. Sean and I have been arguing for 10 years. What's, you know, what's another, what's another couple days. At least this time it'll be recorded. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all again. And we will catch you next week on the one fall podcast. <laughs>